Welcome to the In His Image podcast, a series from Christian Concern with me, Paul Huxley, and Ben John. We'll be looking at questions raised by the book In His Image by Stephen McCoyd and seeing from the Bible how God's design for humanity is good news for individuals and society. In this episode, we're going to be looking at gender, a very live issue in our culture. To help us do that, we're going to read from Genesis 1 and from Romans 8. So Ben's going to read that for us now. Genesis 1, 27 to 31. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Romans 8, 22-23 We know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. So our question for today is, how would those verses shape your response to someone who believes to be trapped in the wrong body? Take a moment if you want to consider that as you read through those verses. So Ben, what are your thoughts on that? Well, firstly, I think it's important that we realise and affirm that the fall has affected both our bodies and our minds. We, we talked about that in episodes uh, two and three. Um, that it's not just that the creation itself, it's not just that we get illnesses and, and diseases or disabilities and things like that, you know, which are all results of the fall, but also our minds themselves are, result, uh, are affected by the fall. So in a sense, we shouldn't be surprised at gender dysphoria. It's a very real um, uh, condition. Um, and there are a variety of things that might cause it, but ultimately all of us in different ways have fallen bodies, and the way we see ourselves at times are fallen. So gender dysphoria is where someone feels discomfort with their sex, like whether they are a man or a woman, or a boy or a girl, and they feel like they ought to be the other one. And it's not just in gender that people experience these sorts of things. So people do feel like their body is wrong in other ways, for example, with eating disorders, where people obviously are not at peace with their own bodies. And so I think we're recognising that that is a real experience that people have and isn't. So so it's not that we can go, ah, but Genesis 1 verse 31 says that everyone was made good, so there's no problem, let's just move on. But we recognise that people do experience quite hard things in terms of what, how they feel about their bodies. Yeah, and, and, and Genesis, 1, Genesis 1, 31, yeah, it does absolutely emphasise that it was 
good. It was very good. And we've got to remember, as we talked about in, in episode eight, when we, we looked at abortion, but Psalm 139 does make clear that each and every one of us are fearfully and wonderfully made. That's not just Adam and Eve, that's every single one of us. And so, yes, our bodies are fallen, but at the same time, our bodies are still good. And and we're not God and, and we're not the creator. God is the one who, who creates and, and yes, we're fallen, so we have disabilities, our bodies are not perfect. But that doesn't mean we are the ones who, our bodies are not malleable for us to shape and conform into whatever image we think is, is, is right. It's, we, we've been given these bodies, uh, which are good, yes, fallen, and it's for us this side of eternity to reconcile as we live with Christ, live with the body that we have, which is a part of us. I think oftentimes we distinguish too much between maybe the soul and the body or um, the spirit and the body and thinking that the body is fallen, it's it's useless, it, it doesn't really do anything. Reality is the body is part of who we are. You know, in one sense we're embodied souls, but in another sense we're in-souled bodies. And so we've got to make sure we don't have this div- false division, this false dualism about the different aspects of who we are we're one being and god's created us yeah that's right and really important um the other thing about genesis 1 verse 31 is that obviously that comes soon after god has created um mankind in his image male and female and he says that this is very good and so simply that distinction between being male and male uh, being male and being female is a good one and at the moment, we have quite a lot of confusion over, over what that means. Um, with some people saying that sex is not binary, that means that there aren't just men and women, but there are all kinds of variations between men and women, um, physical variations, which can confuse people. Um, but also gender theories that say, well, not only might that be true, but people have lots of different conceptions of themselves, ideas about who they are, which can be male, can be female, but it can be many, many other things as well. Um, to spirit, smoke gender, um, gender queer, all, all kinds of different concepts about themselves. And yet there is a simple embodied reality, like you say, from Genesis 1 of, well, we are actually simply male and female. And when we, um, when we put other layers on top of that, uh, we can get a bit confused. Um, but those things aren't from God, whereas the distinction between male and female is. Certainly, we've got to remember this is part of God's creational design, uh, that we are made male and female. Of course, uh, there's a very, very small number of people who are intersex but that doesn't deny the gender or the sexual binary that there is between being a male and a female but yet the the public culture the public religion the public worldview um, for us in the west today denies that difference denies that male and that 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 really even matters that there's men or women that they can they're the same that they do the same things that there is no difference Um, but at the same time they wouldn't apply that to other areas so um, yes, the the West today celebrates transgenderism and and questions like that, but it wouldn't celebrate so-called transracialism 
um, because the identity of being black or white is still considered, is still uh, acknowledged, or the reality of being black or white or whatever is still acknowledged in, in public discourse. And so that is, it seems absurd, but because we've moved into an egalitarian age which denies the, uh, the sexual differences between men and women, it's become plausible that you can transition. Um, but it's interesting because I think there's a lot of incoherence in the worldview because you get um, people, normally maybe feminists or gay activists who who want to abolish all gender stereotypes and to say, oh, you know, men and women are essentially the same and they and functionally the same. Um, whereas the transgender movement seems to want to reaffirm gender stereotypes. So if a little boy likes wearing pink or likes ballet, maybe he's a girl. If a little girl likes being a tomboy and climbing trees and playing football, maybe she's actually a boy. Uh, and that's really reaffirming gender stereotypes. And so there's this real incoherence and inconsistency, which is actually beginning to threaten to take apart uh, the whole LGBT movement, where some are saying, actually, we're LGB, but we're not, we don't support T. Um, so it's, it's been quite interesting to see that. And ultimately, we need to come in with a whole um, worldview, a Christian worldview, robustly to speak into this um, and speak uh, life and hope. Yeah, and that's the important thing, isn't it? Because what you've addressed there is the ideology behind transgenderism and to some degree LGB. But our response to someone who is feeling this, who is feeling that gender dysphoria, feeling like they're trapped in the wrong body, would not be the philosophical discussion on it necessarily, but it'd be a compassionate one that brings together a clear love and care for the person in that situation with the with the truth of how of who they really have been made to be. Yeah, certainly. But whilst acknowledging the time that we're living in between the now and the not yet, that yes, we believe there can be healing and transformation, but it may not be perfectly. And we see that in the passage from Romans 8. We ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. So whilst we acknowledge that we're fallen and, and things aren't the way they are, we just hold on. We hold on to Christ and the hope that we have. And as he slowly and surely transforms us and conforms us into the image of his son, we do know one day that all things will be made new, including our bodies and our minds. Uh, there will be no more sin. And so all the pain that all of us deal with, um, but obviously some in different ways than others and s some in slightly more disordered ways than others, um, we, we know that that will be made right and be perfected when Jesus returns. Paul, what do you think we should say to people who feel like they are more at peace in the other gender? And I guess for those, you know, that we know in our congregations, our friends, those in society, our colleagues who do struggle with gender dysphoria, we certainly need wisdom in, in approaching these subjects. It's, it's certainly not always right to lead with that as soon as you meet someone who identifies as transgender. Uh, but ultimately, we do need to realise that we cannot um, live by a lie. A popular book going around at the moment is the Rod Dreher book, Live Not By Lies. And we need to make sure that in our in our lives, in our circles, where God's placed us, 
uh, that we live faithful to God and his truth, uh, but we make sure that our, our heart for those who are lost, our heart for those who are broken, is one of love, that they may come to know uh, the love and the healing of Jesus Christ. And that doesn't mean affirming the lie. If someone comes to us, and you mentioned it earlier, Paul, about the if someone's struggling with anorexia nervosa, we would never say, you be you. If that's if you think you're overweight, go ahead and lose more weight so that you you find peace. You, you, you who am I to judge? Who am I to say that's not who you truly are? We all know that's absurd, but yet that's what we're doing with this transgender issue. We're, we're encouraging people to um, to pursue a lie, to to mutilate their bodies, to destroy themselves in an effort to find hope and healing when in fact it's the complete opposite direction of where they need to go. And if someone comes along to a church and they are identifying as the other gender to what they are in reality, and you know they're an outsider and they're coming to church for the first time, they're going to probably feel quite anxious about the whole situation. And I think it's really important that Christians in, um, in churches understand that that person's coming with probably an expectation that they're going to be hated. We know as, as Bible-believing Christians that our, our heart is to, to welcome and to love that person and to take care of them and, hope, and point them towards Jesus. Um, but they may be feeling judged the second they walk in the door. So we do need to be looking out for that person who may be coming into the church um, for the first time who's, um, who's worried about that kind of thing. There is then a little bit of a question, okay, so they've come along for a while and then they've said that they're putting their trust in Jesus. Then the church needs to think a little bit about how, how they deal with that situation. When that person now says that they follow Jesus and they are, they are living out an identity that, that doesn't fit that, there's going to be, need to be a lot of wisdom about how lovingly um, to encourage that person to be the person that God made them to be. Yeah, certainly pastors need wisdom and grace uh, and really to seek uh, the Lord and his word and, and with the Spirit's prompting and guidance and knowing how to have those kinds of conversations. Um, certainly, I think it's something that should come up eventually when it, it comes to maybe a baptism class or something like that, a members class. Um, but it needs to be, really be in love. And, and I think part of it should be led with what gospel truth do they, do they need to hear? Do they need to know? Do they need to receive? And each of us in different ways need to receive different gospel truths for what we wrestle with and what we struggle with. But it comes back to they need to know that Psalm 139 truth that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. And to understand that tension between the now and the not yet. And that takes a while and that takes time and is unlikely to happen overnight. But certainly, as you said, if someone comes in and welcomes, uh, if someone comes to church visiting who's transgender or even homosexual, we, we should welcome everybody um, into our churches. Of course, uh, the word welcome these days can be interpreted many different ways, but Anyone who just walks through the front doors of your church should always be warmly welcomed. I don't think we should ever speculate about visitors' sins or things like that. We, we should welcome anyone that walks through the doors and show them love. And when they probably haven't received that, um, 
in society or elsewhere um or maybe perhaps now today it's uh, you know it's a little bit different and it's a little bit more celebrated but i think um what they really need is um to know the true fellowship of the church but which is centered around christ and who he is and what he has done for each and every one of us and we're beginning to hear more and more stories of people who've decided to detransition so this idea that going with the transition gives people ultimate lasting peace is not true. And James Caspian was a researcher at Bath Spa University who was blocked from doing research into detransitioners because it was deemed politically too politically incorrect. But these testimonies are coming out and we need to be able to show them. And the, the case of Kira Bell last year and some of the testimonies in X Out Loud are a huge encouragement and inspiration for us as we're seeing um, what is happening. But also they're horrifying seeing the damage that we're causing. So it's so important that we as Christians and the church speak prophetically yet pastorally into this issue. And like you say, it's not loving to keep the truth from people. And uh, that's very important in this issue. Um, but it's very important for all of the things we've been discussing. And next time on our In His Image podcast, we are going to be looking at that, uh, particularly Jesus's images of salt and light um, in the Sermon on the Mount. So join us then as we think about uh, those issues further in our next podcast. <laughs>